Hi, welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. This is our maiden voyage. I'm Jeff Cranson, Communications Director at MDOT. And we're going to do this uh, on a regular basis. It's going to be part of an ongoing conversation with experts in transportation from inside the Department of Transportation at Michigan, but also uh, other agencies around the state, really anybody that does anything and everything related to mobility. So it seems appropriate for our first episode to kick it off with our director, Paul Ajiba. Director, thanks for being here. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I just wanted to talk a little bit first to introduce you to people. Um, there's been some stories. You did a number of interviews at the beginning of the year, but you're still not even one year into this position. So talk a little bit about your background and how you got to transportation and how you got to MDOT. Well, I've been in MDOT now for 29 years. I started in uh, what we, we call the Engineering Development Program. Uh, this is a program where we bring in new employees and run them through a series of uh, uh, work areas. Uh, it's about an 18 to 24 months program and after you're done, uh, it's a mutual agreement between you and your supervisor where you end up. So when I came in 29 years ago, I found that program to be so helpful for me to transition into working in MDAT. Uh, we still have that program till today, and I think it's one of the best programs out there. So that really kind of fed your ongoing passion for developing youth and getting youth in, into transportation and engineering, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's all part of a larger workforce development belief on your part. Absolutely. I, I think um, the, the longer we are in the business, we have to uh, make it uh, one of our major responsibility to mentor and train the next generation. And if we don't do that, there's so much competition out there that we're gonna lose a lot of talents to other uh, industry and, and, and uh, other organizations. So my passion for workforce has been, I mean, from coming in as a empl uh, permanent employee at MDAT, I always felt you, you got to lift as you climb, and that's a, that's a big part of what I, I try to focus on. So going back to your early days and how you got <clears throat> to the department and then the things that really, you know, fed your interests, uh, operations, um, trying to, you know, help people get a safer commute, get from point A to point B as quickly but as safely as possible, mm -hmm. that's really been your interest both as a, as a region engineer heading up MDOT's busiest region in mm -hmm. Metro and mm -hmm. the Detroit area, but also uh, in the university area based in Jackson, but including Lansing and Ann Arbor. Yeah. Um, talk about some of the things that you did that you think really helped those operations. Yeah, well, I think uh, for me, it was uh, one of those things where after I got out of the EDP program, I worked in a uh, traffic and safety area for several years, and I felt a little limited. I had you know, I, dis I felt moving around the department, learning other areas was a good way to challenge myself. So I worked in, uh, you know, operations area. I worked in uh, utilities and permits. I also actually uh, work in construction uh, just to kind of get an overall feel for how everything comes to the department, uh, comes together in the department. And I think that really helped my growth. Uh, also gave me the, the upward mobility uh, opportunity. Going to uh, work as the uh, Oakland TSC manager. Uh, prior to that, I was operations engineer in, in the university region. And I really, really enjoyed the operations side of things. I, I uh, 
that's where I found my niche. Could really. you explain what that means? Yeah. Because I think the, the average citizen thinks, I drive the car, I'm the operator. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you mean by operation? Yeah, well, uh, being an operations engineer in MDOT or in the transportation field, it's, it's more than just designing the road. It's also about the safety, the, the geometrics of the road, the um, um, vertical, horizontal curves, uh, the guardrail ending, um, how, where and how do you design these safety features into your uh, roadway uh, configuration. I think it's, it's, if you've never walked in that area, you don't understand there's a science behind that. Quite frankly, how do you set uh, a passing zone in a two-lane, two-way roadway? There's a, there's a science behind that. Determining the distance. Exactly. The, 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 the distance, the the timing, uh, looking at, uh, you know, the uh, vertical, horizontal curve, uh, side distance, all that stuff plays in, into it. So uh, I, I really enjoyed that. So and when we talk about that and mm -hmm. eliminating congestion and trying to make things safer for people mm -hmm. and environmentally friendly because when you eliminate congestion, you eliminate emissions or you exactly. reduce emissions right. greatly. Mm -hmm. Your crowning achievement thus far has to be the flex route on US 23 north of Ann Arbor. Yeah, that was to me, I think uh, uh, a lot of things had to come together uh, by a lot of very passionate people. I was so lucky to have a, a very passionate team, uh, a very knowledgeable team as well uh, in University Region. We all just collectively decided this is no longer acceptable to have people uh, in a in a backup for two hours just to get to work and then getting out of work two hours to get home. Uh, how can we make their lives a little more comfortable? And we all collectively decided let's do something. And uh, championing it is just my small part of it. I think the the unsung heroes of of the flex route are the ones who did all the work behind the scenes. The the I don't want, I'm going to forget people if I start naming names, but the, the, the staff embraced the idea and say, uh, we're going to be the first one to do this. This is the right location and let's go. Well, and it's been recognized nationally um, because of its success and now we're going to try to emulate that with, the, with some other applications. I think we're talking about um, going further north of where it ends now mm -hmm. <clears throat> and taking it on 23 all the way to 96. Mm -hmm. And another one uh, in western Oakland County around uh, around Novi right. and 96. Right. Um, you know, do you see other applications? Yeah. I mean, really, is uh, is the sky the limit on where that could be used? Yeah, I think the first one is always the, the, the difficult, the most difficult one. We have experts in-house now that have, done, that have gone through this that are there to help in the other locations. And I, I think... Uh, that that technology it, it has to you have to find the right fit and not just do it everywhere. So extending the twenty three piece to ninety six makes a lot of sense because right now and we knew that when we were doing this current the, the project that uh, M thirty six was a choke point. Once you go north of M thirty six in the PM, it, it it backs up. It operates like the way it used to operate. So. The idea of extending it all the way to 96 makes sense, and I, uh, they're working on that now. Then the other piece... It was also about funding, right? Exactly. The other piece from um, uh, 96 all the way to 23, that's uh, the metro region is working on that. 
And quite frankly, I think uh, 131 in Grand Rapids uh, will be a, a, a good candidate for that as well. Yeah. So we, we see this as a tool in our toolbox that we could pull out and use where we think it, it will make a, a big difference. Uh, and it's a very cost-saving uh, tool, to be quite frank. So as we record this on Wednesday, August 28th, uh, the budget is a moving target and we don't know where we're going to end up. The governor's still negotiating with the legislative leaders. But one question we get a lot, mm -hmm. um, I heard it just yesterday at the Saginaw Chamber panel and you hear it all the time, mm -hmm. is um, depending on what new funding there is, I mean everybody agrees that we need to put more money into roads, mm -hmm. um, how we do it and mm -hmm. how much might be up for disagreement. Mm -hmm. But can industry, can MDOT and industry increase their capacity? Can, mm -hmm. they, can they do more mm -hmm. with, the, with what we've already got going on? Right. No, I, absolutely. And I would tell you why I, I'm very optimistic that that's uh, a challenge we can meet. Uh, I won't say easily, but we can meet the challenge. Uh, we have several major contractors right now in the state that operates in other states because we don't have enough work here for them. And they gotta stay in business. And I think I may have shared this example with you. I was uh, up in Connecticut maybe about two years or so ago, and I saw one of our contractors trailer out there on I-95 in Connecticut, I mean, major uh, freeway. So when I got home, I was really surprised when I got home. I asked him, I mean, I saw you guys, uh, you're doing some work. He said, well, yeah, we had to go east. We had to go where the work is. You don't have enough work for us here in Michigan. And there are several examples of that. People like that will come back home. You know, they won't need to go to the Connecticut or New York or wherever to find work if the work is in their backyard. So they will build the capacity here in Michigan. And I also always use the example of the uh, American Recovery Act uh, in 2008, where the federal government pumped about a billion dollars into Michigan for us to do a lot of uh, work and with very strict guidelines. And we met that challenge. And we went back and looked at, it, looked at the numbers. We didn't see any runaway costs inflation-wise. So again, I, I think, quite frankly, with the way the, uh, the governor has structured this funding, it even helps us to ramp up because you're not getting an infusion of all the money at once. You get 15 cents, and that gives you a certain amount of money, another 15 cents, and another 15 cents. So that gives MDOT, the industry, an opportunity to, to ramp up to when we get the maximum amount. And those contractors and those folks in the industry will say, just give us some certainty. Mm -hmm. If we know how much is coming when, and we know it's going to be sustained mm -hmm. for a period of time, then we can plan and we can we'll invest. Build, we'll build up capacity if you guarantee us this is how much we're going to be getting every year. And I think that, that's been the dilemma for them because every year our program just fluctuates. Um, in June, before the legislature's going break, if they have extra money in general fund, uh, MDI has another $50 million or whatever. So it kind of goes up and down and it, it makes it tough to plan. But what they've been saying, I'm quite frank, and that as well, is you let us know every year how much our funding is going to be. We will we will, uh, we'll plan accordingly. And that's what the governor's plan does. It, it guarantees us a certain amount every year moving forward. And we have a five-year plan that's updated every year. Exactly. And so we can look at that and see what can be expedited, mm -hmm. what, what can be moved up, and if there is a 
you know, infusion of, of cash, then there's more that we can do to, to move that program yeah, up. Yeah, and we're doing that behind the scenes right now, trying to figure all that out. What, what, what is it going to take to ramp up and make sure we meet the challenge? So one other thing that you've uh, you wrestled with both uh, as a you know head administrator for a region within the state, but now especially as the director for the whole department, is you know changing modes of transportation and and younger people, younger generations saying, you know what, um, I don't want to drive. Mm -hmm. And uh, the department was very supportive of establishing the RTA, the Regional Transit Authority mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in Detroit, um, the high-speed rail, interpassenger rail, you mm -hmm. know, what we've done with our partnership with Amtrak. Mm -hmm. um, you were asked about this recently at a meeting with Senator Peters' staff. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, how do you, how do you balance that when you know that we still have needs on the road system, right. but we have other people saying, look, these modes are going to be more important yeah. to us going forward? Well, I, I always... Uh, answer the question by saying we, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. You'll hear some people say, well, why are you even spending time on CAVs, right? Uh, concentrate your effort on just building good roads and bridges. That's connected and automated vehicles. Yes, connected and automated vehicle for, for, the, uh, for the novice out there. But the, the, the point is, if we don't keep up with these technologies out there, we are going to be left behind. Uh, you, you talked about the, the young generation. They want to walk, live, and play the, the, where they are in their community. They don't want. They don't want cars. They want to be. You know, if I want to go out of town, get on a train and go. Come back. I don't need a vehicle. I've got a bicycle to ride around. So you, you hear the, the term mobility as a service, mobility on demand. This is where we're headed. Uh, for us. Uh, that's been in the department a long time. We, when we got out of, in college, we were trained to think differently that uh, when you have a level of service A in the corridor, that's great. That means you keep traffic moving, right? We built five lanes through downtown areas, seven lanes. You go down on Jefferson Avenue in, in Detroit, it's about almost a seven lane roadway through the downtown area. That was right? really your only measure then. Exactly. The, the, our only measure at that time is keeping traffic moving. But the new mindset is, no, we don't want that anymore. We want that seven lanes down to three lanes. We want to slow traffic down. We want congestion in our downtown. We want people to park their cars, get out of the car, and walk. So you have to create a, a, a walkable community to coincide, to, to coexist with cars, with queue line, with uh, scooters, with bicycles. So. Our challenge as, an, as engineers in the, this new generation is how do we make all those modes uh, all work together? And that, that's the challenge. You see several communities saying, no, we want that extra lane to dedicate it for bicycles. We don't need it for cars speeding and through if, our community. And if it's our road, and if, yes. it's, a, if it's an MDOT state route right. that goes through, you know, that happens to also be Main Street, and the community comes and says, you know, we want to take that from four lanes to three lanes mm -hmm. and have a turning lane and then have, you know, bike lanes on both sides. We will accommodate that. Uh, oh, yeah. We, uh, we, tr we try to accommodate as long as that's what the community wants. And I think, again, for us, it's a huge paradigm shift because, you know, we're not accustomed to that. Yeah, how do you do that with your top lieutenants and your people, your planners and your engineers out, oh, out in the field? Well, that, that's the challenge. I mean, you still have to try and 
make them understand we are here to serve the community. If that's what the community wants, let's partner with them to see how we can make these things happen. Uh, if, if us playing a small role in building up that community, they are downtown and it, it becomes a vibrant place where people want to go and, and have fun, then we've, we've done our own little part of, of making that happen. So I, I encourage that. But for our engineers, I think it's, it's a tough shift from saying level of service A is what you want to design for to saying, okay, level of service F is acceptable. It, so it, is, it is tough. Certainly your time and experience on the Ann Arbor Area Transit Authority helped uh, inform your views and your, you know, your perspective on this and how important it is, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I think, again, uh, Ann Arbor being such a progressive community, we've always fought this battle for a long time. Actually, we're way ahead of the curve on this. You drive through downtown Ann Arbor on a given day, it, it, you know, it's, it's two lanes through there. Yeah. I mean, th the three lanes, they have a, a parking, I mean, a tunnel lane there, but they, they kind of did a lot of uh, bump outs and things like that Traffic to make yes, calming things, calming yeah. things to make it uh, a little more uh, walk walkable and multimodal friendly. So, so the last thing I want to touch on in this one is because uh, <coughs> we're recording this just a few days before your first um, Bridgewalk, your mm -hmm. first time as director, as mm -hmm. a, a member of the Mackinac Bridge Authority, mm -hmm. and the Mackinac Bridgewalk, a Labor Day tradition since the bridge was built mm -hmm. more than 60, 60 years, years ago. ago right. um, you're, uh, we've, this is the only the second year that we've had to reconfigure the walk because Homeland Security said we cannot have vehicles on the bridge at the same time as, right. as walkers because of some terrorist mm -hmm. strikes around the, the world and, right. and domestically. Um, makes sense from a safety standpoint. Right. Um, very disappointing to people the first couple of years, but we worked through it. This will be the second year. Um, but this will be your first time participating in the walk with the governor. Right. Um, are you looking forward to it? Oh, I'm really excited about that. I've, I've talked to uh, several people that did it last year with the new configuration. They, they thought it worked out very well. And um, I'm really excited. I think it's, it's a great opportunity to be part of the, uh, the Bridge Authority Board and also to be doing this uh, with the governor on, uh, on Labor Day where they will recognize those who work hard to actually build that bridge. So it's, it's an exciting time. How do you feel about getting up at 5 a.m.? Well, again, I, I do that now anyway, so <laughs> it's just another day. Okay, well, thank you very much for taking the time to do this, and uh, thank you for listening to the inaugural version of the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. In future weeks, we'll take on everything from uh, innovative bridge building to uh, what the Regional Transit Authority is doing in Southeast Michigan and what we're doing with rail and uh, really any means of mobility. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's uh, great to be with you.